week, we started talking um, a little bit about the day that you live for. Because everybody lives for a day. The question is whether you live for today, whether you live for the moment, whether you live for tomorrow, whether you're living for the day when you stand in front of the Lord. We learned uh, that when you live for today at tomorrow's expense, it costs you more. Uh, And today's choices uh, set you up for today, tomorrow, or the day that God um, returns, depending on what choices you make. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. Most of the time, everybody in the church agrees on this. Um, few people don't get it, so let's check out what the Bible has to say. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. Then we who are alive, and are you guys alive? Okay, most of you are alive. A couple of you died. Um, then we're not going to have any CPR. So, uh, the, uh, it says, those who are alive, who are left, will be caught up with them in the clouds. Talking about those who've already died. Will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. He says, Jesus is coming back. And those of us who are still alive will be caught up into the air to always be with the Lord. Um, in, in chapter 5, verse 2, if we just go a little bit further in First Thessalonians, it says, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. It says, you're not going to get like a warning. Hey, you have 35 days, 5 hours, and 12 minutes. And Jesus is returning. Like it's, just, it's not going to come with the warning with a big countdown clock that you're going to be looking at and going, 10, 9, <laughs> wait. Like it's not, like that'd be kind of fun and blast off we go. But the, the Bible says it's, that's not the way that he's going to come. But as, as we're, we start looking at this idea that Jesus is coming back and he's coming for the believers, those that are longing for his return, those that are ready and that are awaiting. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, it says, As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and prove it unfaithful. It says that there are those that hear what God has to say, that hear God's word, and it there for a little bit, and they get excited. But as it grows up, the love for just what's around them, the love for other things, it says, chokes out the word. And as I got thinking about this, Matthew 24, 12 kind of came up, and it, and it began to paint a picture. It says, um, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold, but one who endures to the end will be saved. It goes through and says that there's a lot of people that are excited about God, but because of all the craziness in the world, because of all the sin that's going on, their heart is going to turn towards some of those things. And at the end of that, it says, but the ones who endure to the end will be saved. What does that mean for those that don't endure? Why? And I, I got thinking about this verse and going, because of the lawless, because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Can you put up that picture? It's a book I was reading. So this is, um, hopefully the picture is there. It's not there. 
If it magically appears, that'd be splendid. But in the meantime, I'll just tell you what it says. In fact, in the next 24 hours, I just have like a, um, I scanned in the page of a book. So it's just, it goes through and there's a highlight section. In the next 24 hours in America, 1,000 unwed teens will become pregnant. 500 adolescents will begin using drugs. And six youths will commit suicide. That's not a year, not a month. That's every 24 hours in America. So that's not even like a global thing. That's just in the U.S. And I look at that and go, well, that would be the lawlessness increasing. But if you wanted to get an idea of how much it's increasing, if the next picture decides it wants to work, um, just in case at least one of them does, it doesn't. But if you had like super computer vision and could see what's supposed to be up there, you would see a graph um, marking the percentage of students that are sexually active in high school, engaging in any form of sex inside of high school. In 1950, that was 5%. In 2000, it was somewhere between 70 and 80%. That's shocking. The lawlessness will increase. I would say that's an increase. And the love of many will grow cold. So as I, as I begin to read this verse, I begin to think about the schools that you guys go to today. And I said, you know what? That is an accurate depiction of most of our schools. The lawlessness will increase. You go, yeah, look, it's my high school. The love of many will grow cold. Said at this point, a lot of people begin to turn and go, I am more interested in fitting in and having what they have and in the pleasure of this moment than I am in waiting for Jesus to come back. Besides, I don't even know when he's coming back. In fact, if we were to flip, I don't have my actual Bible up here. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. I could be wrong. It might be 2 Peter. Um, see if I can pull it up on, on my tablet. But it, it tells us that there's a bunch of people who go, you know what? Since the beginning, things have gone on like this. We can just keep going on like this. It's not like anything's actually going to change. It's not like he's actually coming back soon. And it, and it tells us that um, it's not that God is slow in keeping his promises. It's that he doesn't want anyone to miss out. Uh, it's not First Peter. Second Peter, chapter 3, verse 9. It, it kind of, um, do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that we, the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow fulfilling his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that anyone should perish, that, but that all should reach repentance. It goes through and sits here and says that so many people are looking here and they're going for what the world has to offer, going, ah, it's not like Jesus is coming back soon. And he goes, he's not slow in just keeping his promises. He's waiting, trying to give some more people a chance to repent. This is not the time to get distracted with all that the world has to offer. I like food, so now it's time for a food example. Does anyone like, anyone ever eat at a really good buffet? Really, really good. Do you ever like have your parents tell you ahead of time that you're gonna go to an awesome buffet? 
Yes. So I got word one time, I've always been a fan of free food. This goes back many, many years. In fact, I think as long as I can remember, I've loved free food. But um, my, my folks told me one day, they're like, hey, we're going to take you to the Sunday brunch at Charlie's Crab, which Charlie's Crab, fancy restaurant downtown with a buffet that I won't pay for. Um, but if someone else is paying, it is awesome. It is like tables of food. They go this way, and they curve around and go this way, and then you come around over here, and there's tables full of desserts, and over here there is the omelet bar and the like prime rib and different things that they're cutting fresh for you. Um, and it is awesome. But I hear that they've got this buffet. Now, I'm going to get to go to the buffet. And I was excited. And frequently, this is back when I was pastoring in the 180, they've got the little cafe there, and they cook like pretzels and things, and a lot of times you're hungry. And so at the end of service, they'd sell them all. And when they're closing down, they'd, they'd go, hey, I can't, um, these, did, these have been warm, so I can't keep them. Would you like this? And they'd offer it to me. And a lot of them are like, sweet, free food. That day, offer you a pretzel. What do you do? No. Why would I waste space inside my stomach, which is a limited commodity, when I'm going to a buffet where food is not a limited commodity, and I can pick anything that I want to fill that space, and I can have a pretzel or prime rib. I can have a pretzel or like anything from that table full of desserts. I can have a pretzel or any one of those great... Like, keep your pretzel. <laughs> it just doesn't compare. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there's no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. It says, if you don't know what's coming, if you don't have a reason, why not have the pretzel? But when you have a vision, when you go, you know what? I know where I'm going. It's easy to look at the pretzel, say, not a chance. There's something better for me. The problem is that a lot of Christians don't look ahead. So all that they see is the pretzel. And they're like, dude, it's a pretzel. It's free. Free pretzel, free. And, uh, and they just go for the first thing that they can find when there's so much more that's available. And with this problem, it says that, that so many, because of the, law, the, law, the increase of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. And so as there's so many more free pretzels, they pass up on what God has to offer. When God goes, hey, I'm coming back and I have rewards for those that are ready and they get distracted. Um, there's a parable in Matthew 25 that, that I read that kind of just stuck out to me. One day, as I was reading, if you guys maybe have heard the story of the, of the 10 virgins is how it's probably labeled in your Bible, if you have the New Living Translation, I think it entitles it The Ten Bridesmaids. Um, in, in, in this story, you can look it up, verses, chap, verse 1 through verse 13. It says, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five of them were foolish. The five wise virgins brought extra oil. The five foolish did not. So that they go, and they're all waiting for the bridegroom, except he doesn't come right away. They're all ready, and they're waiting, and they're like, yeah, he's coming. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. I get sleepy. They all go to sleep. And then finally, they've been sleeping for who knows how long, and they hear the watchman yell, 
here he comes. And they're like, oh, yeah, score. And they get up and their lamps are all going out and they're like out of oil. It says the five wise virgins poured more oil in their lamps and the five foolish were like, hey, um, I should have been ready. I'm not ready. Can I have some of your oil? And they're like, he said he's coming. I don't know how far out he is. I need to make sure that mine's burning through for this. I don't have enough for both of us. And they're like, stinks. I said, go buy some. And so the, they run off and the, the groom comes, opens the door. They go into the party and the door's shut. Then the other five come and pound on the door. And uh, while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he said, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, you do not know the day nor the hour. I got thinking about this. And, and it, at first, I just thought, you know what? Hey, look, there is people that are right with Jesus, and there are people who don't know Jesus. And I caught the idea that it, that it shows that you have a limited amount of time in order to get right with God. Because you have to receive God's forgiveness while you are breathing. Once you're dead, it's too late. Jesus came in a body in order to pay for our sins. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 lets us know that there's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. And he shed his blood. This can apply to you as long as you are in a flesh and blood body. If you wait until you die and stand in front of Jesus and go, Jesus, I believe you now. It's too late. And so I, I caught this kind of a picture and I'm like, all right, great, great. And then one day I was reading this through this story and I was like, so there was 10 bridesmaids and they were waiting for the groom there was 10 bridesmaids and they were all waiting for the groom. Wait a second. This isn't talking about five people that knew about Jesus and five people that didn't know about Jesus. This is going out of all the people that were around, there was 10 of them that were waiting for the bridegroom. A picture appeared. <laughs> Better late than never. Okay, so the... They were waiting for the bridegroom. That means that of the 10 that it was talking about, all 10 of them were right with God at one point. Five of them kept living for him. Five of them weren't ready when he actually came. And I got thinking, wait a second. How many Christians start out God, I'm so excited. God, thank you for forgiving me. I believe in you. And then because of the lawlessness that increases, get distracted. And like, oh yeah, I'll get that right when I'm older. I'm just going to have a little bit of fun. I'm just going to do a little bit of this. I'm just going to go. And don't realize that they've begun to take God off the throne in their life and have placed themselves and their wants and their desires there. And go, you know what? I'll get it right later. Because I got thinking about this because it keeps coming up. Because as I go through the parables, time and time again, 
I find things like this. Blessed is the servant whom his master will find doing when he comes. <clears throat> As he goes through, <clears throat> turning your head to cough doesn't work when you're wearing a mic. <clears throat> there we go. I got to like cover the mic, stick the hand in between. All right. So um, he goes through and tells a story about a couple servants. He talks about a servant who sees that his master is delayed in returning and stops doing what the master had told him to do and starts mistreating other people. He says, when the master returns, what's he going to do to that servant? They're like, dude, that servant's going to be in so much trouble. He goes, well, blessed is the servant who his master finds doing what he asked when he returns. And he goes through all these different pictures and it shows that he's going to come back and there's going to be some people that are ready and there's going to be some people who have gotten so distracted and said, you know what? I don't know when he's coming back. I just want to live for right now. You know what? Well, everybody else is doing it. But he goes, when he comes back, blessed is he or she who's ready. When in Matthew chapter 24 or 5, 5, it says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, they will sit down on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered the nations. And he goes through and he says that he's going to separate the ones on the right and the ones on the left. He's going to separate those that, and he's going to go through, well done. He's going to go through these and say, you know what? Hey, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And he goes through this huge list. And they're like, when did we do this? And he goes, when you did it to the least of these. And he, and he goes, when you didn't think it mattered, it mattered. And he's going to go to the others. And they're going to look at him and go, God, what about us? And he's going to say, you know, I was hungry and you left me. I was in prison, you never visited. I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything. And he's going to go through this list and they're going to look back and go, when? He's going to go, when you did it to the least of these. And then when he says, depart from me, I never knew you. And then I thought about this parable where he sits there and he says to, the peop- says to him, um, so many times they go, you know, hey, I did these things. I even did some things in your name. And he's going to go, depart from me, I never knew you. And there was something that all of these had in common. There was people that just expected to be right with God that weren't living for God. And when he came back, just because they expected it didn't mean they were. And I got thinking because that's a sobering reality. That just going, well, I know the right stuff. Well, I go to church isn't enough. When he sits here and goes, I want to find them doing. And when some of them look back and said, well, I did some cool deeds. I did some great things. Or, hey, you know what? I'm expecting you to realize that half of these people in most of these scenarios expected to get in. But most of them or half of them didn't. What do you think that means for the church today? What percentage of Americans think they're going to heaven? What percent, I want to say it's 80% say they're going to heaven and 1% admits it's going to hell. And there's about 19% that aren't sure. How many of them say that they're Christians? But when I look at the stats and they sit here and tell me that 80% of the students 
70 to 80% of the students in your high school are sexually active in some way before they finish high school. Yet the Bible teaches that sex is for inside of marriage. And that even though sex is a good thing, if it's in the wrong place, it's no longer a good thing. It's like fire. Fire in the right place makes your car go. Fire in the right place heats your house. Fire in the wrong place burns your flesh alive. It's good in the right place, not so good in the wrong place. Sex is great in the right place. In the wrong place, it'll destroy your life, destroy your marriage that you'll, you'll have later, destroy the foundation that you have, get you sick, and all sorts of other, lots of drama that it's another sermon. But this is the point. If 80% of the school says, I don't care what God says, I want what sounds good. I want what they have. Well, I'm going to use the numbers of other people that are doing things to justify the actions that I want. Where does it put them? Where does it put them when Jesus returns? When Jesus divides them up and there are people who are surprised, who are those people going to be? And how do I make sure that I'm not one of them? Because I got thinking about all these different stories because I've been going through and I've been having a lot of fun. I've been going through my Bible and I've been going through the end time stuff and trying to figure this out and trying to put together all these different verses and going, there's so many cool things happening that say that God is going to return, that he's going to return soon. As you're looking, you're like, well, here's the prophecies about these things that are going to happen. And here's where it talks about the blood moons that, anyone, did anyone check out the blood moon this morning? All right, a few of you guys got up. I totally missed it. I looked up pictures this afternoon. I'm like, ah, I missed it. I was showering. Um, anyways, uh, I just forgot about it. So I got to work and I was like, did you check out the moon? I'm like, ah, so could I just walked out there. But anyways, um, there's all these different things. And, and I'm, I'm excited as, I, as I'm looking into the debate of going, hey, Jesus is coming back and you'll have people across the church that debate. Is he coming before the tribulation, during the tribulation, or after the tribulation? And we'll have fun and we'll spend a message on it. And we'll show you what verses imply to what and what people think and why they think it. But what's important is whether he comes back in the middle or whether he comes back before, or whether he comes back at the end, that he's coming back. So our official position is pan-trib. It will pan out. He's coming back. Live ready. Live ready for him to come today and be prepared in case he doesn't come until the end. We had this conversation in the office going, well, what does that look like? Does that mean that if he comes beforehand that we avoid all persecution? I said, no. Even if it's pre-trib. Do you realize that right now, today, that there are Christians that died for their faith? that right now it's actually happening at an increasing rate in the Middle East, that people are being killed for their faith. There is no promise in the Bible that says that that will not happen in America before Jesus returns. Do I think it's going to happen today? No. I think the persecution against the church has already started, but I don't think um, it's going to reach beheading very soon. I think it'll be a slow process. I don't know that it'll get to that that severe in America before Jesus returns, but you can watch culture already beginning to shift and beginning to oppose truth, beginning to oppose the Bible because it doesn't change to fit what they want to do. And it'll be a, it, persecution is a process that gets more severe and how and whether or not there'll be any I have here, if it'll get very intense before he comes back, I don't know. But the question is not what is going to happen. The question is, when, Jesus, when you see Jesus 
for whatever reason it may be, whether it's his return that is coming soon, or whether that's from persecution, or whether that's from a car accident, whether that's from just being old. I don't know, but what matters is are you ready? If he comes back, or if he waits a little while longer to come back, are you ready? Are you ready to live for him? Are you ready to die for him? If he comes back and he was to divide the room, would you be ready? Would you say, you know what? I, I might be one of those that are surprised because as much, because the lawlessness increased, the love of many will grow cold. You know what? I, I started out really excited, but just I fell into the parties and the drinking and to putting friends before God and putting myself before God and you know what? I'm not ready. Because someone's going to be surprised. I don't want it to be you. We were having a meeting this afternoon in actually Kendra's office. I said, my prayer for the ground floor is that we defy all statistics and that we have a, a youth group where no one falls away. Where you encounter God and when it says that the love of many will grow cold, that we're not among them. That like you could have, I would love to have like a stamp in, in, in history that we can look back at in heaven and go, the love of many will grow cold, except for those that were in the ground floor in these years. Their love stood strong. Like that's honestly like what I pray for you guys. It's what I've prayed for you guys. I, I've a lot of you I've had in junior high and as you come into high school, I'm like, you can't escape me. And so like, I've had you as fifth grader, sixth grader, seventh grader, eighth grade, ninth grade. You're like, oh, all the way through seniors. In fact, some of the students who graduated last year, I'm like, I had you since you were in fifth grade. I'm like, I've been praying for you for a long time going, God, let them get it and let them keep living for you. Because as I read through these different parables, as I read through these stories, I just hear so clearly, Jesus is coming. He's coming soon. And there are those that are going to be surprised. And if Jesus comes pre-trib, which you, you look at me, if you don't know what pre-trib is, don't worry, we'll talk about it here in a few weeks. We'll go through on a Sunday morning and we're going to spend a little bit of time, we're just going to talk about what the Bible has to say. It's going to be great, a lot of fun. But it, uh, and we'll go through a few of the different views. But if Jesus comes back pre-trib, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to go crud. A billion people just left the planet. I know what happened. A billion people unconnected around the world disappeared. I know of one spot that wrote about that. Jesus just took them and I should have been among them. How bad would it suck to come in here all alone? Like, what happened to the ground floor? And I pray that there would be no one. But just with this idea going, we want to all be ready. Because being that one that came in and was like, where'd everybody go? Oh, this is going to be bad. <laughs> because the Bible talks about those that believe during the tribulation. 
I believe that there are going to be a lot of people that when the rapture comes, they're going to go, crap. I know what that was. I wasn't ready. And repent. And we'll get into all of my theological beliefs about the end times and what the Bible makes clear and what I just think. I'll tell you what this is what the Bible says and this is what I think. I'll tell you very clear. But what I know is that you want to be ready. Regardless of, of when Jesus comes back, are you ready? Or did the lawlessness of many begin to make you go cold? Is it sitting there and drawing you away at this point? So my challenge is to live ready for Jesus to come today, tomorrow, and to be prepared as if he's not going to come until after the tribulation. Live ready. Go, if, if you knew you had one week, what would you do? Go do it. You're not going to do anything stupid if you knew you're going to stand in front of God in, in, in what, seven days. Amen. It's not like you're going to go like, oh, I want to, I've never had sex. I go. You're not going to go and like, oh, I'm going to go and start sinning because I'm going to stand in front of God and give an account for everything. No, that's not a good idea. Um, but you might go, you know what? I need to go forgive somebody because I want to go right. I don't want to go full of anger and bitterness. You might go, you know what? I know. I need to share God's love with my grandpa. I just need to tell him, hey, do you know that God loves you? If you knew you had one week, what would you do? I challenge you, do that. And if you're here and say, you know what? If I knew I had one week, I would start a relationship with Jesus. <laughs> I want to give you a chance to do that too. There's no time like the present. Can you guys bow your heads and close your eyes? If that's you, as I say, you know what, your challenge for tonight is to live, live prepared for the years, but like Jesus is coming back next week. You say, you know, I want to start a relationship with God. I want to, you know, or, you know what, my, I'm, I'm that one that talks about the love of many will grow cold. I'm the many. I, I want to repent and I want to give my life to him. I want to live for him. That's either of those are describe you. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise up your hands nice and high. So that's me. Awesome. Who else? Says so that's me. See a couple of hands over here. Who else? Says so that's me. Awesome. You can put your hands down. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. He says that he invites us to have a relationship with him and that if we confess our sins, he said that if we declare him as Lord, that we could be forgiven, we could know that we're right with God and on our way to heaven. So that's what we're gonna do. So whether you raise your hand or whether you've done this before, go ahead and repeat it for me. Say, God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I wanna live for you every day. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Give them a